During the GHSA 2015 annual meeting, the National LEL Program sat down with Sheriff John Wetzel, Sheriff of Oklahoma County, Oklahoma, and Chair of the National Sheriff's Association Traffic Safety Committee, and Ed Hutchison, Director of Traffic Safety for the National Sheriff's Association, to talk about ways to reduce injuries and fatalities for the law enforcement officers who are on the front lines of traffic safety. Traffic-related fatalities have been the leading cause of officer deaths in 15 of the past 20 years. 2015 was no exception. According to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Foundation's annual report of law enforcement officer deaths, traffic incidents killed 52 officers in 2015, which was a 6% increase from the previous year. Of those 52, 35 died in crashes, 11 were struck and killed outside their vehicle, and 6 died in motorcycle crashes. The first step is to get those officers who do not wear their seatbelts to buckle up. A 2011 report from the National Center for Statistics and Analysis of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration noted that 42% of the officers who were killed in motor vehicle crashes between 2000 and 2008 were not using restraints. Tremendous progress in encouraging belt use has been made in the past couple decades, so why aren't some police officers buckling up? Sheriff Wetzel explains. A lot of the reluctance comes from what I would call old, old wives' tales. What they are, they're stories that get handed down from uh, one cop to another cop about how someone was shot or killed in their car because they were belted in their car or when they arrived at a scene. These are stories that rarely ever have any validity whatsoever. So you have officers who have the need to, to when they arrive at the scene, to be able to jump out of the car and they think the seat belt hinders them. You know, what we do is talk about reality. The reality is the quickest way to get out of a car when you get to the scene or when you have a crash is through a windshield. And that's because you're not belted. We have had cases in our agency where we've had deputies whose lives have been saved because they were wearing a seat belt. The most effective way that we have of providing information to our deputies about the saves, they know the deputies whose lives have been saved. They work with them. And to us, that's one of the biggest benefit is being able to, to talk about a partner, someone that they work with, who is here today because he or she was wearing a seatbelt. Sheriff Wetzel doesn't just rely on the examples of lives that have been saved. His department reaches out to officers with command talks before the start of their shift and also mandates the use of seatbelts, and those two tactics have made a big difference. We have pretty much 100% seatbelt use rate. Um, we have supervisors who look at the issue of are there officers, deputies wearing seatbelts each shift, and if they are found to be not wearing their seatbelt through disciplinary action. It's not just seatbelts that are keeping officers safe on the roads. It's also their use of body armor. This past year, seven officers were shot and killed during traffic stops, which was greater than any other circumstance of fatal shootings. A 1995 report by the Federal Bureau of Investigation concluded that officers not wearing body armor were 14 times more likely to be killed when assaulted by a firearm than officers who wore body armor. The Bureau of Justice Statistics estimates that in FY12, the most recent year for which data are available, vests saved the lives of at least 33 law enforcement officers. It is estimated that armored vests have saved 3,000 officer lives over the past 30 years. Yet, as with seatbelts, a significant number of officers refuse to wear the body armor. Why not? Here's Sheriff Wetzel again. The objections are it's too hot, it's too bulky, 
We provide the lightest weight vests that we can provide. We provide the most durable but at the same time comfortable vests that we can provide. And then we require the wearing of that vest. And uh, that's done by policy. According to the Police Executive Research Forum, or PERF, agency policy is the second most cited reason for wearing vests, the first being safety concerns. In 2013, the most recent year for which data are available, the Bureau of Justice Statistics reported that 7 in 10 police departments required officers to wear body armor at all times while in the field, and another 8% required vests to be worn in certain circumstances. But mandatory body armor policies only go so far. Department heads have to lead by example. Sheriff Wetzel. It has to be from the top down. When I'm in a uniform, you'll find a vest on me every time. And sadly, I know police chiefs and sheriffs who may have a mandatory vest wear policy, but when you're around them, you notice that they, are, they themselves are not wearing a vest. It's hard for your employees to emulate your actions when you fail to wear your vest or your belt. It's also hard, hard to really mandatory require when the leader of the agency is not wearing a vest or a belt. And it's not just the law enforcement agencies that are working to improve seatbelt and vest use rates. Both the National Sheriff's Association and the International Association of Chiefs of Police are working to encourage agencies to implement mandatory body armor and seatbelt use policies. The NSA's Ed Hutchison explains. We worked with Police Executive Research Forum to put together a resolution that is also on record with IECP, the International Association of Chiefs of Police, which recognizes a mandatory body armor and seatbelt wear policy to be implemented nationally. And in that capacity, it's working with groups like NAPO, National Association of Police Officers, so that the labor side is also represented in that, so that it's non-punitive if they are killed and they are found not to be wearing that, that it's not a punitive uh, issue. They work for two years to hammer out what that looks like. And then from that, we put together, from the National Sheriff's Association's perspective, a mandatory body armor policy and a separate mandatory seatbelt wear policy as model policies to emulate for those agencies that don't have that on file. This resolution, number 2015-03, is available on the NSA website, as are the model seatbelt use and body armor policies. Traffic safety in general is a priority for the NSA, Sheriff Wetzel explains. Well, right now, the most pressing priorities deal with uh, the fact that we are killing 90 people a day in traffic crashes across the United States. And the 90 people a day shouldn't be an acceptable number to either our communities, our citizens, or to law enforcement, and yet it seems to be an acceptable number for our citizens. So I think from an educational standpoint, for our citizens to understand that 90, 90 people dead a day in car crashes is not acceptable. And the, the second thing is the fact that we're killing far too many law enforcement officers in car crashes responding to calls and pursuits in, in some area of, of law enforcement service. Law enforcement officers are dying far faster in cars than they are from any other manner of death. So it's really kind of a, a, at least a two-pronged approach where we deal with uh, law enforcement deaths uh, behind the wheel of a car or in car motor vehicle related incidents and also the fact that 90 of, 90 of our citizens every day die in car crashes across this country. 
In addition, Ed Hutchison notes, the NSA is working to reclassify the status of crash victims. Our working committee with the National Sheriff's Association is looking to identify crash victims as victims of crime and treat them as such, as any other crime victim. If you are killed by a bullet or a 3,000-pound bullet by a vehicle by those statutes of that state, uh, we want to recognize them as victims of crime and to be treated thusly through OBC and other opportunities. For the past three years, the NSA has been working through the FBI's Criminal Justice Information Systems Committee to amend the Uniform Crime Reporting, or UCR, to achieve that goal. In the end, officer safety and traffic safety is encouraged through a partnership with a wide variety of stakeholders, and partnerships are built on solid relationships. Sheriff Wetzel provides some valuable advice for LELs who are looking to expand and improve relationships with law enforcement organizations in their jurisdiction. You know, I know there's a lot of traffic safety issues with especially larger agencies. And in my agency, we have a huge traffic safety focus. There are over 400 law enforcement agencies in my state. And I think sometimes that we miss out on the smaller agencies, even though there are more of them, and cover a, a, a large portion of the state. And I think we have to continue our focus in high traffic areas, but I think we also need to, to focus on smaller agencies in more rural settings that can have just as equal um, an impact on traffic safety in their communities also. And I think maybe they're the, the forgotten many right now because of more focus on the higher numbers of traffic. And I think that's one of the things that I would recommend as we start focusing. Also, we expand our focus to include programs that would bring smaller agencies into traffic enforcement and saving lives in those communities also. And Ed Hutchison adds a valuable piece of advice for developing relationships before you need something from the other person. If you have an issue, the discussion has to start before the incident. I would suggest getting out, shaking hands, meeting someone, building a rapport uh, has to happen. And I would encourage LELs to get out there and, and just make that connection, make that connection before that uh, relationship needs to be established. So. If everyone does their part to ensure seatbelt and vest use is a priority for all law enforcement agencies, then perhaps we could finally start to reduce the number of senseless traffic deaths.